Welcome to the Wamda Capital Podcast, Episode 4. I'm Khalid Talhouni, Managing Partner at the firm. Today's episode will cover uh, digital content and the role of digital content in transforming the user experience in the region. Uh, with us today, we have a great panel to help us better navigate the space and understand the nature of digital and digital spend in the region. Uh, with that, I'd like to hand over to uh, our panel to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more about themselves. Hi everybody, my name is Ali and I'm the Chief Strategy Officer for Publicis Media here in the Middle East. Uh, my role is how can I future-proof the company when it comes to the capabilities, so how can I build the next phase or the next version of the agencies. And that, obviously, without content, there's nothing. So I think that's the topic of the day. Great, thank you, Ali. Diana? So I'm Diana Badar. I'm the head of YouTube partnerships uh, for the MENA region. And my role is basically to help grow the creator ecosystem and uh, the entire partner ecosystem actually for the entire region. So whether it's endemic creators or even broadcasters, we work very closely with them to ensure that their content is available for viewers <coughs> on the platform. Eli? Uh, hi, my name is Elias Mawad. Uh, I'm Chief Growth Officer at Kharabish. My role is mainly to look over content and monetization of this content. So basically what we do is spot what content works in terms of talents or production on the digital platforms and how best we can monetize it. Great. Uh, Abid? So my name is Abid Aha. Hi, everyone. I represent Vine Lab, I'm the Managing Director. And basically we deliver a celebrity audience to brands. And uh, we built a big influence network across a multi-platform as well as platform agnostic company. So we deliver a lot of content uh, working with talents across the region. Great. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's a great pleasure and honor for us to have you with us. I think we'd like to start off by talking first to Diana. If you could give us... Uh, we all know YouTube is a, has, has become a major, um, a major force for content consumption in the region. Um, YouTube particularly um, kind of has emerged as a, as, a, as a unique platform for content creation as well. Um, so with that said, I think it would be very useful to get a better sense from you as to how you've seen the behavior of users effectively evolve in the region over the past few years. Right. So, so luckily, Mina is very much in tune to what YouTube has to offer. If we look at it as a region, we're actually number two when it comes to watch time after the U.S., you know, giving us a, a very strong hold on, on how big YouTube actually is and how big the message is of the platform. Is that uh, watch time on aggregate or per... Total watch time. Total watch time. So in total watch time, Mina is number two after the U.S., um, year in year, uh, obviously mobile is very big for us in the region. This is, you know, not news to anybody. But we continue to see the growth. Uh, we've actually hit numbers such as 90% year on year growth on mobile. Uh, we're seeing creators, uh, more and more creators coming on the platform. And over the last few years, whereas you know maybe at the beginning there was a lot more broadcasters as people weren't sure how to you know navigate the platform and create for the platform. But we're seeing a massive growth right now of the creator ecosystem. And it's ranging everywhere from North Africa to you know, the GCC and everything in between. So we're actually very excited about what's happening in the region. And I think more and more people are, have become aware, whether it's agencies, whether it's clients, and, and even viewers themselves, that there is such a wide variety of content available to them from the region that they don't really have to look outside anymore to find the content that excites them. 
Yes, what, what's your view on, on, on kind of the growth of YouTube? I know that's a kind of critical part of your business. It is. It is a major part of our business. And the most important part that we see in this is when we need to convince people like Ali about the efficiency of the projects that we're executing. I think YouTube is the only platform today in the region that provides enough analytics and has enough transparency when it comes to figures to be able to prove performance. So uh, one, they offer a great reach, and I don't think there's any alternative platform than YouTube in terms of reach when it comes to our region. And uh, second, it's uh, great transparency when it comes to analytics and performance. And this is something that works well with agency, works well with brand, and works well also for the creators and for content creators like us. And yes, I have a question. Uh, from some of the creators that we deal with directly or, or through you guys, we always hear that at some point that it's not, uh, it's not enough for them financially. Is that the case with you guys? Do you see that the market got to a place where if I'm going into this field as a creator, it is enough for me? I can live on it, I can be happy, I can live the life? Or It depends on in which category of creator you fall. Creators that are performing well, and performing well, I'm saying creators that are hitting the million subscriber, and they have a good conversion rate of subscription to views, which is usually around a million plus per video. Uh, if they take this pass seriously, if they're professional enough, it is more than enough for them to make a very decent living and a career out of it. And I think globally what we try to do with all our creators that, yes, you know, YouTube is great for revenues, but it's always important to try and expand outside of that. So whether it's working with brands, whether it's coming up with product lines, and we've seen it all across the board. I mean, one of the biggest things right now that we're seeing is they're even writing novels and they're hitting the bestseller lists. So diversifying as much as possible will always help increase the revenues that they're bringing in as creators. And it's all built on what, you know, what their core is on the platform. And just to reverse on this, the question that I have for you is that are brands now looking at paying what the performance deserves in terms for the creators? Because that's the only way they can grow. That's the only way they can make more money. Like Diana said, okay, YouTube and the YouTube payout is okay, but they cannot make a living out of this. So they need the brand support. And what we're seeing today is yes, there's a growth, but we need to still reach a better formula in terms of calculating the performance, the return on investment of what the brands are paying versus other media and versus other digital platforms. Knowing that when you deal with creators, you have a big credibility element that comes into this that adds a great value to immediate what the brand is doing. Also. And great immediate reach. Yes, exactly. Um, Diana, shifting gears back to you for a second. Um, is there anything particularly unique or idiosyncratic about the nature of creators in the region? Is there anything special that sets the region apart that you see from your kind of 30,000 foot view? Okay, so is there something that sets them apart? One, I think it depends on the country that you're talking about, right? So if you look at Saudi, for example, uh, what makes what they do unique is it's usually not available anywhere else. They speak in, in their language, sometimes almost very much from the region that they're operating from. 
And, and that has been seen as something quite unique outside of MENA. So in the US, you know, you could be targeting an entire country and obviously exporting that content. In Saudi, you have some creators who really like would focus on, on their viewers from the region of Riyadh versus Jeddah, for example. And that is unique to us. Um, obviously, we want our creators to have as much viewership as possible, and they understand that also. But it's great for them that they can really appeal to the very local community around them, which you might not necessarily find in other countries. Abid, like, I know you, a lot of your business also flows through YouTube and, and different social platforms. It'd be good to get your perspective on how you see that developing your business over the coming years. So we see um, a lot of opportunities when it comes to talent-based video distribution. Um, as we see uh, more attention being spent on mobile and namely on different social platforms, and that includes YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, it becomes necessary for talent to communicate everywhere where the audiences are actually spending time. And the best form of communication is video because it actually caters to all of our senses. So we do see uh, more video uh, being distribu distributing across social, mainly because audiences are spending the most amount of time over there. And that's actually uh, creating a sort of stickiness and allowing uh, talent and brands alike to reach out to these audiences and communicate effectively. Now, we do, we do have specific challenges in the region when it comes to um, talent supply. And so we've seen inside Arena, for example, and namely on platforms other than YouTube, people have built influence, namely for being open, just by enabling themselves to showcase their lives. And that's another form of influence that's basically affecting uh, audiences in the region. So, but for talent to sustain, that really requires an effort to actually source talent on an ongoing basis across different categories. And we do see this as an issue uh, on the short term, but with us, Kharabish, and other players in the market, we have to ensure that more supply is happening. Um, so there are other challenges that we see when it comes to monetization as basically brands would like to communicate effectively on digital, uh, a better formula for an ROI has to be established, and we really need to pin down uh, the proper cost, basically per reach or per view, as being the main, uh, basically, cost for viewing a specific talent video. So that's basically work that needs to be done between us and agencies like Starcom, for example, to be able to come up with such metrics in order to scale that business further and allow the brand to properly calculate their return on investment. Do you think we reached there, uh, Abed? Because what, what we're witnessing today, uh, and I think it's, it's not always the case with a lot of brands, but with some of the brands that we're dealing with, and this goes to you also, I, we're being able to develop good post-campaign reports okay, with all the metrics that a brand or an agency would like to see, like reach, views, engagement, engagement on likes, engagement on comments, and how the comments reflect on them, and even likes, likes and dislikes, and positive and negative comments, and if the brand is involved in these comments. Uh, but the thing that we didn't reach yet, I think, is to put a price tag on this. I don't know if this is what you're mentioning, Abed. Correct. So let me tell you, from most of our 
typical awareness clients, so the PGs of the world. With all of these, everybody knows that the ROI on video is almost double on anything else on, on, on display or anything else on, online. That's from the awareness level that they get. Now, yes, I agree that we didn't get a point saying that how does a deeper association with a certain product or a certain talent, how does it affect their ROI? We do have a lot of metrics on the brand favorability, on the awareness, on all of the things that are upper funnel, but we never, I have never seen how does that affect their complete ROI. With all the MMM studies that we do for all the clients, that split hasn't been there. And rightfully, like in the Middle East, the MMMs has been running for 10 years. That's too new, I think, for, for them to start to split it that way. And that is something definitely we can start splitting moving forward to see if this talent that is uh, that you're pushing, that you think that is costing you more, or it's a different kind of talent, is it driving a different kind of ROI than your typical awareness where I just want a view or a reach? Uh, the, why, you know, let's step back a second and think about why the video ROI is higher than other mediums. What do you think drives that? Is it the, the, the richness of the content itself or? It is the richness and it's so many points and it's, to the, it's the lean in. When you see a banner on the side, uh, you're less inclined. When you're seeing like with the YouTube products, when you see a pre-roll, you already want to watch that content and you just want to, and you can skip it. So you're more leaned in into that video. Uh, and the view through rate are still very healthy in the region compared to anywhere else, else in the world. So people are still not that bored into, into, yeah. into watching videos. And that, again, across multiple clients, the ROI is still higher, whether in MENA or anywhere else in the world. Great. Um, I think with that, let's think a little bit more about kind of generally how ad spend has evolved uh, in the region. Um, I think, Ali, if you can give us just a quick overview of, of, of you know, what your perspective is as to how um, the digital ad spend has changed over time, you know, maybe over a five to 10 year uh, time, uh, time horizon. It's been growing at a very good rate in the past five years, I think. I think the biggest shift that we saw in MENA was the, the financial hit back in 2008. When that hit, you saw a lot of the money that went out of outdoor, went out of print, that came to digital. That was, and you see it across the world. Every time there's a financial crisis, you see that digital grows and, and Cause, tremendously. Because it's more ROI driven. Because it's more, and you can measure it easily. Uh, whether it's more effective or not, it doesn't matter. You can just measure it, and you're you're more confident into putting that money there. So since then, I think historically the growth was double year on year. I think for the past two years we've been growing at 40, 50 percent as a market, which is still very healthy. Now that money is it because the market is growing? The answer is no. The market is not growing by much. It's just the shift that is happening mainly from print and some of very few on, 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 on outdoor. All the rest is now between almost between uh, TV and between, uh, between digital. And how do you see that changing over time in the future? Uh, like the consumption on TV, we're not seeing it going down. Uh, we okay. see it in certain segments, sometimes on the younger segments, but it's not that, go that much going down. So. We see much more, we see every single dollar coming in now is going to go more into digital, but I think that the, the split is going to be more between digital and TV and that's moving forward. Uh, uh, Abed and Elias, are you beginning to see that? We're beginning to see that, but what we really would like to know also is that from this growing pie and from this growing content, uh, the way it was distributed is changing and the way it is distributed is still changing. Uh, how do you see the growth also? And for us, we're feeling the growth in terms of the budget that are dedicated to content. 
maybe because it's the core of our business, we still feel that there's a big room of growth there. We still feel that the budgets are not as big as as considerable as they should be. Uh, but we would also like to understand that, fine, you have search, you have display, you have different verticals when, it, when we talk about digital. If we focus a little bit on the content part of, of this vertical and basically digital video content, uh, do you see a growth or a substantial growth in this and do you see a trend that will sustain for the next three to four or five years? So let me tell you as an agency to tell you how we believe in it more than, than, than people think. So the biggest team today in the, in the agency is the content team. Today we have 50 people that only does content and that is mainly the digital content people. Uh, we don't produce in-house, we just give it to our partner, but there is more a strategist or define what the role of, of, of video content for the clients. Do we see it growing? Yes. Is it growing as fast as we wanted? The answer is no. Just because there is a lot of education to the client. You have to understand that when a client, you go pitch him uh, to, move, to move or shift some money from TV to digital, it has to be an efficiency game more than anything else. Now shifting back into deeper to tell them what the value of that content within outside of the reach in terms of effectiveness is still an education play. Is it the right way? For sure. All the clients now are investing across the board. I don't have a single client that is not investing in content and that's growing in our Which for us is good, but it's also some, somehow frustrating to, uh, to creators. And Diana and I were in a meeting like a few days back with uh, one of our top creators. And they, also, they always help or hope for brands to see what they're doing and to be able to associate to their work. But, and for them, they don't understand why the brand is not coming on board, even sometimes the content is perfect for the brand, but it's still not coming on board. So how long do you see this education process taking for creators to start feeling that this is what we want to do, we want to do more of this, and we can add also more and more creator to the Arabic part of the digital video content in the region? This is the same issue that we had historically with digital. Okay, Five years ago, even five years ago, the consumption on digital was completely under-indexed compared to the rest of the business. Everybody was frustrated, but there is always an education issue, whether it's with the client or whether it's the teams or whether it's the industry overall that you need to take into consideration. Are, is everybody now today equipped to go and sell it at scale and understand it at an efficient way? The answer is no. The clients don't have that time to focus today on doing all of these partnerships. The agencies don't have that much time. But I don't see a single agency or a single client that is not investing. It's just, I think for me, it's a matter of a year or something like that just for the industry to grow or to mature enough for us to handle the way that we deal with these uh, uh, new partners of ours. And I can't say that we're not doing it today. So you guys know no, like across know. every single yeah. brand that we have, there is something. Is it at scale? Not yet. because. Again, as you guys know, if I want to plan something on, on, on Google overall, on search or on YouTube, it takes me two seconds. If I want to do a big partnership with you guys, it does take time. So it's just, I think, it's an education issue. Diana, how are you seeing um, uh, the, the advertisers themselves changing in terms of the, the way they've embraced uh, digital content generally? Are you seeing kind of a stronger move towards that or is that something that's not materialized yet? So it's funny because we were having this conversation internally this morning uh, with, with many of you know, the, the different functions that exist within Google. And so the way I see it, it's still very slow. Right? It's not where I would love to see it um, evolve. We're still in a process where you know, 
agencies are giving us creatives of brands that are on TV and thinking that, oh, this this will work the same way on, on YouTube, and it's not. So, you know, the education process is happening on so many different fronts. And, you know, like Ali said, it takes a lot of time. So what we need to do is just, we have to, we have to keep pushing, right? And, and it might get annoying and, and they might get frustrated with us because we're trying to change things around, but you can't take a 30 second ad for television and just throw it on YouTube to a completely different audience and hope that it's gonna fly. It, it just won't. We've seen brands who are, are, are more inclined to create for the platform. And, and they've seen a lot more success that way. So we want to continue to push that. And, and, and I think as they see that success, they'll see how their integration with different creators with, will actually give them a good return on their investment. So you know, back to what Eli was saying, yes, it's very frustrating to creators because they think that you know, I've got the audience, I've got exactly what the brand wants, but you go to the brands, A, they've never heard of the creator. B, if you explain to them, they're like, yeah, but I would never put her in a magazine. Yeah, but it's not about you putting her in a magazine. This is about you actually, you know, speaking to the people who come and watch her channel on a daily basis, and this is why she's extremely successful. So sometimes it's it's just a completely different mindset for many of them, and it takes a bit of time. And the problem is that I've seen with global brands is they see things, you know, happening in Paris or happening in the U.S., and then they wonder why they can't do the same thing in the U.S., um, in Saudi, I mean. And it's like, okay, but it's a, it's a different market, you know? But then they start putting restrictions, and it's like, okay, well, speak to the audience that is actually watching this content. It may not be the same audience that is watching it in France, but target the way it needs to be targeted. Diana, can I ask you a question? Sure. You think from a brand perspective, and I want to put everybody in their shoes, you think it's easy for them to say, I need to create a piece of content or a piece of ad or whatever it is that has to fit... I have to do one for Instagram, I have to do one for YouTube, I have to do one for Facebook. Oh, for Facebook, it has to be subtitled. I also have to do one for Snapchat, I have to do one for Vine. Do you think that it's easy for a typical marketeer who used to do a lot of TV and understand digital very well? It's not also easy, I think, for them to go and suddenly they need to create 20 pieces of content that can fit in every single market. And for me, for my client, I think the education is there, but like their time physically, they're still not very equipped to go and splash 10 pieces of content that can fit perfectly with the, 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 the platform. Our recommendation is always to do it, but in some cases, it is tough for them to do it. Right. So it, it depends, really. So I don't think you have to hit every single platform the exact same way, and, and every platform is not the same, right? So what you might do for Instagram, which could be just a post by an influencer versus a total brand integration on YouTube are very different things. Usually what we're seeing is longer campaigns on, on YouTube video uh, integrations, for example, are, are working positively. Okay. And, and that does take a lot more time than it does you know, giving an influencer you know, a, a mascara or a dress to wear and say, okay, go for it. So I, I get where it's difficult for their end, but it depends on who they're trying to appeal to. And for example, you'll have influencers or creators that are on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and it's about, I think, picking and choosing which one will give you the, the most reach. So we have a creator, for example, her reach on YouTube is much higher than Instagram. I wouldn't get her to do stuff for three different platforms. I'd get her to focus on one and, and come up with something. I understand the difficulty of it, but we're also in a day and age where 
you know, technology is everywhere and, you know, social media is everywhere. So we have to kind of decide where and when we put things. Because some things work on Instagram, which will never work on, on Facebook or on YouTube, for example. And we also come in the picture when it comes to these things. Because even for us today, I would say 80% of the campaigns that we're working on and on the content projects that we deal with involve at least three platforms. You know, so uh, and we're helping brands to create this content, okay, with the help of the creators, because at the end of the day, they know their audience, they know how to communicate a brand message to the audience. Okay, a lot of brands are being receptive to what creators are telling them, in terms of let's do this instead of what you're proposing, and they are creating their own content, okay that fits the brand so they're doing the integration so the only challenge that we face is the education process that you mentioned and how is the brand open to listen to the creator listen to us and let us handle this part and then there are experts who will create this content for them and place it it's more difficult when it comes to ready-made advertising if you're talking about a pre-roll or, or a post or etc that that is a different ball game. But when it comes to content, we can assist them, creators can assist them, provided the trust is there. And it's building. It's, we're getting there with a lot of brands, and it's working. And do they trust you on their brand? They do. They do because we're, we're one, going through an approval process, which is making it a little bit long in the beginning because they need to get convinced. Okay. Uh, the trial budgets are not that big, but we're building case studies that are small but at least it's it's somewhere it's getting us somewhere and based on this case study the trust is building more and more every time let's shift gears a little bit towards uh, content creation and talent discovery which is something i think we've all spoken about a little bit uh, i think thinking about digital as a medium through which you can reach large number of people and then from from that reach be able to distill and also find uh, talent across different kind of sectors uh, abid how what's your view on how digital can be used to uh, basically recruit talent and also produce and distribute talent i know we've spoken a lot about music you and i and how uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the, the, the MENA region only has about 50 or so commercial artists. Uh, and by commercial, I mean musicians who are able to make a living out of music over a certain threshold. Why do you think that is and how do you see digital filling that gap? So the key here is basically ensuring that we properly collect and understand data. That's when it comes from a sourcing perspective of talent or even sourcing revenues for the uh, for the network that whether whether it's basically uh, a traditional network of celebrities or basically digital native influencers being brought up by the platforms i mean for for now like ours or harabish it's fairly uh, it's, it's somehow a challenge but it's definitely doable to utilize data to understand what really audiences want in terms of talent so and and as we advance with time we're going to be able to figure out technological way to be able to source those talents. So that's from, uh, from a sourcing perspective. From a, from a revenue perspective, uh, also data is key. But at the same time, um, as all of us in the industry work together to try to understand the medium properly, uh, to be an effective medium of communication that can actually replace uh, TV 
it's essential to make sure that we have several layers filled up. The main layer, which is the talent, being at the same level as the brand. Two, the content being authentic, and the brand, in this case, has to give the talent uh, a lot more room for creativity and allowing that talent to integrate the brand authentically. Um, the third layer is basically making sure, as, as basically Diana said, what, from a talent who needs at least to start, should focus properly on one platform and immediately after that be able to translate the influence to other platforms and communicate natively on each. And when I mean natively, each platform communicates differently to different audiences. We see audiences uh, engaging on a news feed um, in a different way than they engage on YouTube and then they engage on Snapchat or, or, or Instagram or Twitter. So communication accordingly and, and content creation has to cater natively for those platforms. And the underlying um, layer is the data that has to ensure that we're able to deliver reach, number one, allow the brand to get awareness, but also enable transactions. And for the second part to happen, there has to be more active work being worked with e-commerce platforms in the region. As they grow, uh, they need to also uh, deliver uh, more, more, more sales themselves. We as a network has to be able to ensure that we can deliver those sales and be able to understand the data funnel that allows basically uh, for a sale to happen on an e-commerce. And that's, that's the second part I think is going to take a couple, to two to three years for this to happen. And in the meanwhile, brand awareness is, uh, uh, is basically what we need to measure properly to, uh, to basically have our networks basically survive for the next few years. Um, and, and, and while I, I still basically see traditional talents communicating and getting the biggest reach, and especially music artists, uh, the longevity of the sector will have to rely on the musical talents that are being born from digital platforms. It has to be the case uh, because eventually these traditional talents are going to basically disappear. So, and these new talents that are basically delivering musical experiences online along with visual uh, need a lot of help. And we do need the support of traditional labels to bring their a and experience uh, to support these bands. Yes. That's basically globally, but in our region specifically, we've never seen proper A&R across the past 20 years, mainly because uh, labels have given that power to the talent themselves to go to the basic directors and composers and secure the lyrics and music directly, so they never felt the need to actually help them with that. But today, uh, we're not seeing any more innovation from a musical perspective. And while we're seeing the innovation coming from these digital music, musicians that are basically building and aggregating audiences as we go, uh, how is that going to shape up as we go? It will depend on a lot of factors, mainly driving proper revenues to them, um, and also giving them uh, a little bit of knowledge on what sort of musical taste they need to bring. So we've seen a lot of brand, bands going in, bringing that international alternative sound, and trying to put Arabic lyrics on them, which work. But we need more experimentation when it comes to music in order to really, really know uh, what really audiences will stick with when it comes to creativity on music. Great. Um, in terms of going in a slightly different direction, we've all seen to some degree the, um, the manner in which there has been a rise of a cord-cutting revolution in the U.S. where consumers are foregoing traditional 
television distribution platforms like cable and going direct to digital streaming, either whether that's premium, uh, premium subscription services or if that's uh, just you know, user-generated content or content on different you know, internet-based internet platforms. Can you see, and just going around the table, can you see an eventuality where that can be replicated in the MENA region? Good question. Uh, if the good content, especially the good live content, continues on being uh, on free TV, you're never going to see a big drop on TV. All right? Even on, across all segments that typically we see less. So we see less people watching your typical day-to-day -day programs, the youth. But when it comes to these big programs, you see a big spike on these youth. It's, it's still in MENA. You mean big programs like big uh, scripted dramas? Or? No, I mean like live TVs, live, uh, your okay. typical uh, Unscripted. Arab Got uh, Talent, okay. all of yeah. these. Uh, the scripted, the series, definitely. Uh, because people want to watch them on their own time. Yeah. So whether it's the your typical TV station do something about it and then go into 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 uh, digital or or you see the likes of Netflix coming to the region and doing something more. So far, Netflix I think are very tied with the non-Arabic content. Yeah. But that's something that you have to see how they play it out in the markets. Diana, what's what's your view on this? So obviously the goal is not to get people completely off of television, right? That's not our aim to terminate the existence of television. But I mean, more and more we're seeing that more than half of television globally is viewed off of the television to begin with. Um, you know, you mentioned the formats and we have friends who have the formats here, but the viewership they're getting on digital is also, I think a phenomenon that even they weren't um, looking forward to uh, when, when the content started showing up on YouTube. So, Yes, you know, television will will not die out, but I think the youth more and more are looking for content that is appealing to them, and they're not finding on television. They're not finding segments of content that are interesting to them. You know, you'll never find a show regarding, you know, doing challenges, which, you know, to, to a 40, 50-year-old might be so silly, but to a 16-year-old is really their passion and because they want to replicate certain things. Or, you know, someone doing covers of songs or beauty tips or even something as, you know, as, as niche as what type of camera to use when you're doing outdoor photography. Television will never have this, right? So people need to find another medium for it. They're finding it online. We don't want, you know, we want to continue to see a growth of different segments of content it's gonna happen off television. It's not gonna happen on television. The growth versus TV, what it will be, only time will tell, and obviously all the correct measurement tools should be in place to be able to gauge that. But, you know, court cutting has already happened in the region, and I believe will continue to grow as people find the content they're looking for elsewhere. Right. And I think also for content producers and content creators like Harabish, okay, the, it also has to do a lot with budgets that are available because when the spy of content will grow and there will be more and more budget not only going towards creator but also going towards original content created for online uh, we will have more and more means to produce more premium and better content you know and I think the viewership that is already existing in the region online on digital platform is enough to start this trend. Yes, the education process will take time, again, but 
once we are there with good levels of budget and their scale on the existing reach and performance of digital video, I believe a lot of even big formats okay, will have the ability to go online. The only thing that is standing in their way today are budgets. Simply, online cannot afford to produce such great formats. And in this region particularly, what we're seeing is TVs coming to YouTube as a platform and taking the talents of YouTube and putting them on television, right? They're, they, they're, they see the value and they know if they want to start appealing to other audience, they need to bring them to, you know, they, they think it's, let's take them to mainstream, although really... Does it work? So, do you want my opinion or do you want... Your opinion, because it's a party line. <laughs> so my opinion, so I've, I've seen two things happen. I've seen some people that have been successful on television and they continue to be successful. And I find others are not because they're given these formulas that they have to work with that that's, that's not how they originally were working on. So on YouTube, because it's, I always say this, it's a blank canvas. You say whatever you want, you do whatever you want. You decide how long, how short the content is. The minute you get to television, it's all predetermined in a way. And these, these talents are not used to it, so it's very difficult for them. So again, I've seen it work and I've seen it fail completely. And even the ones who are still on television just don't want to do it anymore because they feel like they're entrapped by, by formulas that don't work for them. But obviously you sign agreements, etc. you kind of have to stick to it. So I think it'd be good to get everyone's opinion on a core investment thesis we've, um, we've built at Wanda Capital. Um, and, and, and encourage you to kind of poke holes in this, in this idea and, and see whether you agree with it, what parts of you agree with it or not. Um, principally within content, uh, we've been focusing our investments around this hypothesis that um, television premium content in the region is somewhat monopolistic, if not oligopolistic. There are a very small number of basically broadcasters that disproportionately control the spend. Not entirely clear if they, in, in equal proportion, control the eyeballs or the or the or the traction, um, which has led, in some way, for advertisers on a per capita basis to kind of withdraw. Um, some of their spend uh, compared to other regions of the world because there's no rating system. There's no effective rating system. There's no equivalent of Nielsen that, that is very scientific and, 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 and very methodical in how it, how, it, how it does ratings. Instead, you have the survey-based approach which creates this kind of distortionary impact on the market. So our, our hypothesis is that because for, 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 for television to work in the region, you're going to have to roll out the rating systems across all the, all the region. And that's going to take a, lo a lot of time. Um, it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years since people have been told, and it's just not happening. Whereas digital arrives on day one, it has ROI and, rate and an effective rating system built straight into it. So our bet is there's going to be a tipping point um, into digital on an accelerated way, digital video content and premium content, you know, even like long form scripted drama, and that's all gonna find, find the home on, on digital platforms because the existing monopolies, oligopolies cannot react fast enough to kind of this, this change in, in, in digital. That explains our investments in, in Kharabish, explains uh, MVI's investment in, in Vine Labs. Um, so what do you all think of that? Do you think that's a, that's a reasonable assumption that, that's coming, or do you think there are issues with that? So let me tell you, I was at CES early this year. 
where they were talking about TV meters from the 75 and 76. Okay, so they've been doing it for 30 years. There, I think they got to a more fair way where they don't think that a rating on TV should be the same as a rating on digital. To give you the example that they gave in that session, remember when Yahoo took the rights of one of the sports, whether it the hockey league or it was the, the baseball league, I don't know, one of the two. And they want the day after the session, it was only on, on Yahoo and nowhere else. They went after the session and said, we gathered 15 million unique people and on TV it was 14 million. That proves to you that digital is more important than TV. Now, Nielsen was the one that did the study. They took that back and then started calculating, for example, the, the time spent on both versus just the people. And they found out that TV, in terms of time, was 10 times more than what digital is. All right. In terms of what, like time just spent? spent on this. So they come on digital, they see it, they leave, they move on. While on okay, TV, so they want to just a quick hit. So they're staying power yes. on, on TV. So for me, it's depending on what metrics you should look at. Should this region continue without TV meters? Obviously not. I think any market that brings TV meters, you'll see that overall TV goes down in terms of viewership. Uh, but typically, the leads should stay the same, whoever is leading on them. Uh, we're, the TV meter in UAE is up and running. It's not fully functional. They're trying in Saudi, in Lebanon exists, in Morocco they just stopped it. We're hoping, but our experience says it's going to take time. And, and you don't think that digital can disrupt television because of that in a big way? With tech, I think yes. So far, no. Uh, viewership is already there. So for me, I'm, I'm, I lead on digital in the company. So that's the only thing I yeah. talk about. So the, 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 I think the whole uh, consumption is there. But is it to a point where you can disregard TV? No. Are we at a point today, even if I talk from a pure planning perspective, can I today start with digital and then add to a TV? We're still not there yet. Yeah. Okay. It's still much more efficient. Forget about content, forget about the user. For most of the plans, as a planner, it is still more efficient for me to start with TV and then add it on with the likes of YouTube or other part of ours. Why is it more efficient, though? Pure well, math. Pure math. Well, pure math based on which data? Because... Cathy. Um, that's okay, the market. Regardless if it's CATI or if it's a people meter or when, when you measure TV, okay, you're either taking a sample if it's CATI or you're taking a panel if it's any people meter in place. So you're taking a representation of the population. Whereas when you collect data from digital, you're collecting from actual users. So you're collecting from, from 50 million and you're not collecting from 5,000 who are representing supposedly those 50 million. You're preaching the wrong person, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think everyone uh, agrees with this principle. Yeah, we all agree. So, <laughs> it's just how fast this market can get to the right place. Exactly. So. It's, but uh, the question is, when would it happen? Because everybody knows that the data collection is much more accurate. Okay? Uh, we cannot ignore, and no one can ignore, that TV has still a very big role to play. There's TV viewership is still there. Everybody watches TV. We cannot say that people stop watching TV and then shift. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I but don't, but I don't know if I'm representative. <laughs> yeah. I, don't I haven't turned on the actual it's been like, a year set up box yeah. for yeah. like three But four I think years, the, yeah. the, the more data we will start getting from digital and the more return on investment will be proven that the efficiency of return on investment will be proven from digital and with brands changing mentality and increasing their digital budget, we must reach that. I agree with you today, from a planning perspective, no one is ready to start with digital and scale. But even ROI. Else. So today, if I look at all of my uh, CPG clients, TV still performs very well. 
even compared to digital today. And that has nothing to do with planning. This is actual sales and how does that affect sales. It's still performing. I think the shift is still not right. I said you still need to attribute much more to digital. In some of the cases, I have clients that already are at the right place. Okay. And that I think the YouTube team also agrees with us on, on them. Some of them still need to get there. But it's a market education. It's a market capabilities. Um, I'm fully against Katy, but that's the only thing in the, in the market. But I think also what's important in this market is, you know, companies like Wamda Capital, the disruption that they've helped bring on is extremely important. Because if they're not investing in the Kharabishas or in the Vine Labs, how do these guys survive, right? Because as, as players who are starting out or are medium-sized, how do they fight giants? Which not, not necessarily is what their goal is, but giants always tend to see any sort of threat as a direct threat through, to them. So all the power to you guys for, for actually doing this and, and believing in something that's very new in this market. You know, in the US, it's, it's been going on for a while. Um, but here, to, to see that you guys actually are believe in this new form of entertainment that's happening, this new medium, for us as a platform, you know, gives us a sense of relief that these guys will not be drowning or will not be eaten up overnight. Yeah, I think for us, we see it, uh, I mean, kind of the extension of our thesis is that, you know, mobile plays such a big part on this in, in, in the way that it's revolutionizing the user experience, that, you know, entertainment is being consumed in a different way. And we don't think the existing incumbent um, uh, oligopolies, size notwithstanding, can react quickly enough. And I think the Kharabishes, the Vine Labs, you know, the U-turns, the QSofts, etc., they're the people who are going to be able to kind of really figure this out in the long run. And, and we're betting, betting big on it. I think we've put a good amount of capital into Kharabish, we've put a, like a decent amount of capital into Vine Lab, and we'll continue to support these companies. And looking for others, right? Like we want to kind of make sure that we find companies that are you know, disrupting the status quo, going up against these giants, as it were. And, and you know you're, you're doing something right when the giants themselves start looking at these players and saying, okay, how do I get, get into this? How do I get a piece of the pie? Because they know that this, this threat is a lot, a lot closer than they thought it would be. And, you know, it, it's very satisfying to watch because the region isn't very big. Um, but we're seeing investments going into so many different players. Obviously, we'd like to see more of it because this helps their sustainability and this helps their growth because then they also have something to give back to the creators that they're, they're working with, you know, to the brands to kind of really showcase that they've got a wide variety of offering that will not be found in other places. Yeah, and globally, it's, it's, so, a, it's a proven case study also. If, if you look at it from a global perspective, the first big sizable acquisition of the MCN was done by a giant like Disney, you know. So uh, why? Because they saw that they're disrupting their space, they're offering a different kind of content, and it's a totally, it's a business, a new business that complements what they're, what they're actually doing. And this is why it happened. Yeah, so I think in order to properly answer uh, your question, with regards to your bet on content, I think we have to differentiate with two types of content. We all agree that mobile has driven a new form of entertainment, allowed companies like us and Kharavish and the rest of the networks in the region to deliver basically cost-effective content that's authentic, that's grown from these platforms. But as we know, uh, content in the region, especially high-value production, is still stuck to TV. And 
I don't think, at least in the short term, it's not our role as networks to basically try and disrupt that because that's the role of platforms like Netflix, for example, or Shahid, to be able to basically translate that content from traditional free-to-air TV into basically set-up box-based uh, high-value production distribution. So, and that represents another major issue. So today, we know the majority of that spend is happening during Ramadan. Now, how long will that remain? That's a big question mark that probably will take a few years to answer. But I think the, the disruption is not going to come from ourselves, but it's going to come from platforms like Netflix and Shahid, mainly because uh, they're not going to probably uh, just immediately shift that content and bring it on board, but they're going to eventually have to produce content based on the data that they aggregate from these platforms. As we know, Netflix has developed House of Cards, Narcos, and all these shows based on consumer behavior and consumption of existing catalogs that they brought to the platform. So the creation itself is data-based. And I don't think any of the production houses in the region utilize data to produce content. And, and I'm talking about high-value content that's today stuck in TV and mainly during Ramadan. So as soon as platforms like Netflix, who really understand data very well, come to the region to produce, and I think that's something we're going to see probably in the next couple of years, this is when the real disruption of traditional free-to-air TV being gone. Or, um, or, or do we, or do we, Abid, do we preempt that and invest today in, uh, and not wait for Netflix and instead invest in a platform that does premium long force, premium long form scripted uh, TV formats? Or do you think we, we should just wait? If you were um, sitting on like $50 million, would you do it? We don't have that kind of money, but like assuming we did, <laughs> 75 so, in this case. Yeah. If if the right if the right company shows up that understands technology very well, like Netflix does, and that company has to be a technology company at the core. So I, I find it very difficult for a traditional player to execute. But if that company shows up, understands data very well, and is able to attract production people and shift their thinking into database thinking for content creation, there's definitely room for that. However. You have to have uh, basically a long breath uh, on such an investment, mainly because for that money to shift from TV, which is the majority of the spend being during Ramadan, for it to shift immediately, uh, it requires quite a few years. And that time is also required for that company to properly understand uh, how consumers have consumed basically previous content. And we understand from platforms who have already tried to do that in the region that it was very difficult to attract traditional catalogs. To bring them on board. So that was the other issue that basically halted them. So if you find that company that's able to translate those catalogs, and maybe that's an opportunity in the next couple of years because content creators, premium content creators will find it difficult to create dollars. Uh, so they're going to have to license that content to digital platforms at a lower cost. This is when the opportunity will rise when Wanda probably should be investing in such a platform. Wait, Diana has a say. No, no, I, I mean, you made a few comments. So Netflix is already working on productions for this region, right? Like for the region, by the region type of thing, the way they've done in Italy or in France, etc. Um, I don't think we cannot create premium content if we don't, you know, unless we have to rely on Netflix or Shahid um, or the likes of that. I think given the, the types of investments companies have already made or creators have already made, 
some big names, you know, have used the platform in a very, in, in a certain way where it was possible for them to, you know, take that and, and elevate it to another level. I'll give you an example, and we're not going to talk about what happened to the show. Bassem started on YouTube, and the show was a show format on YouTube, and TV got very excited about it and took it to television. But that didn't kill his YouTube roots because the amount of times that the satellite uh, blockage happened in Egypt, the format continued on, on YouTube. So I don't think I mean, it's Netflix or, or bust. And, and I think we're putting, we're giving too much power to Netflix right now uh, because they haven't even showcased what they can do for this region. And also outside of the US, their success on creating original productions hasn't been an oh my God type of thing. So I, you know, I'm happy that we always go to House of Cards as an example, but let's look at all the international stuff they've done and then kind of start comparing that back to something like House of Cards. They did, uh, they produced, um, uh, this, uh, was it like the documentary about the Arab Spring, The Square, I think it's called? No, it wasn't them that wasn't produced that it. No, no, it wasn't, yeah. they distributed oh, it. It, yeah. was, uh, it was somebody completely different oh, that, yeah. that um, created that content. Uh, I, I think Netflix has come up a number of times. I think next time we should invite Netflix on. Yeah, Is there no one here? Oh, interesting, okay. Um, Okay, cool. So I think we're reaching kind of the end of this. Um, it would be great if we can just go around very quickly uh, with some final thoughts or ideas or advice, as it were, that you would give kind of entrepreneurs entering the space. I mean, you're all kind of market leaders, industry experts in this area. It'd be great if you just give kind of a couple of sentences as to what you think. Um, entrepreneurs venturing into content, um, digital content particularly, uh, should be thinking about what they should be considering. From my end, continue investing for sure. You might not be a millionaire today, but in a couple of years, you will find the, the value of it if, if you're looking for financials. We're gonna keep on investing with our clients into content. Uh, and I think soon enough, everybody will be comfortable into pushing that the same way that we had digital seven, eight years ago. Diana? Our priority is always gonna be homegrown talents, right? So we want to push as many people to use the platform and talk about the subjects that are most important to them because the great thing about YouTube is you're talking to the audience, not at the audience, and we want that to continue as much as possible. We would love to see continued investment into this space because, I mean, we're obviously true believers of it. We want others to also be believers. But I think what we've seen over the last few years is, you know, TV's great and premium content is fantastic, but what about all these raw talents that are coming up and drawing in audiences that TV never even bothered with, and now it's too late for them to even catch up? and get them. Uh, from our perspective also there are like two verticals, creators from one end, yes, we should keep on investing and discovering new creators because there are a lot of Arab creators, there's not a lot of people looking for them and trying to grow them. Okay. Uh, the second thing is that about original content that is produced for digital is to find ways to understand from data that is available on across platforms to understand what's missing what is the foreign content that is watched that does not exist in arabic and start producing more and more on this and whenever we're finding something like this we're finding traction great abid so i think we live in very exciting times um, consumers in the region have provided faith on mobile and basically catered a lot of attention to that medium, which allowed companies like us to grow. Now, 
I want to go back to a point that Ali started off with, talking about how the major budgets shift during tough financial times. And it's pretty clear that we're probably coming up to a time where it's going to get more tough financially. And it's nothing better, there's no other better time to get excited than that time for us to really grow. Because we're going to be best placed to be able to uh, work lean and uh, deliver content authentically for audiences that they can trust. Because I think uh, as we grow, there's going to be a, a trust issue when it comes to TV content and digital content. We understand the influence is really happening on digital better than anything else. We know that from all the revolutions that happened around. So, so it's really the key is, is influence, and we understand that it's players like us that are going to be able to allow for that shift. And I'm excited about the upcoming tough times that are coming. Excellent. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, thank you to our panel for, uh, for, for giving us all this kind of great insights today. Uh, to learn more about WAMDA Capital, please go to www.wamdacapital.com.